John 16. We'll read verses 13 and 14 this evening. As we continue on our series of humility, this is the 12th sermon, and we'll be focusing tonight on the question, is God humble? And you all know the answer to that. What is it? Is God humble? Yes or no? Yes. That was disappointing for a teacher. (laughs) Yes, God is humble. And tonight, we see the humility of the Holy Spirit. We saw the humility of the Son of God last week. Tonight is the humility of the Spirit. And so next week is the humility of the Father. John 16, let's read verses 13 and 14. How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come... He will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak from himself, of himself, by himself, to himself. But whatever he will hear, that he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. For he shall receive of mine and shall show it to you. The Holy Spirit is a humble spirit. He is not like Satan who said, I will ascend to the throne. I will be like the Most High. He is content To glorify the Son of God. And in that regard, we think of all those examples we have in the Bible. Paul the Apostle is our example. Philippians 3 verse 17. Who else is our example? We've taken time to study Moses and David and Peter as our examples. Hebrews 11 says that all godly believers are our examples. Did you know that even unbelievers are our examples? 1 Corinthians 10 verses 5 and 6 says, Do not be like them in the wilderness who lusted and so 30,000 died. The very next verse. These things are recorded for your example. Did you know that you can learn a great deal from unbelievers? Watch them carefully. Watch unbelievers carefully and you will learn a lot. Well, here tonight, we have another wonderful model. And it is the Holy Spirit. But I wonder if you have ever tried to imitate the Holy Spirit. That is my goal for this sermon this evening. To show you the kind of humility that the Holy Spirit has. And then to inspire you. To catch you when you weren't expecting it. Like like scoring a soccer goal when they didn't expect it to come from that side. Like a young lady who was swept off her feet 
She just didn't expect that young man to come at that time and to say it that way. And, and she was overwhelmed with excitement. And that young man, I want to present to you the glory of the Son of God and the Spirit of God. And I hope to sweep you up with joy and wonder at the humility of God. And then I want to send you away with a desire to imitate him. Have you been saved for 20 or 30 years? Amy, you have. I want you to be caught up with wonder in the Holy Spirit. And say to yourself, oh, what a God I have. I want to imitate him. Because, let me start with this right up front. The Holy Spirit is referenced about 320 times in the Bible. About. How many times is Jesus mentioned? Over 1,300. Probably thousands of times if we could ever count them all. How many times is Jehovah mentioned? Over 6,000 times. Actually, the name Jehovah, just under 6,000. But then in other names, Adonai, Elohim, Kurios, Theos, over 6,000 times. And the Holy Spirit, only 300. But if you read those 300, you will find that he has a will he chooses things. He has affections. He loves some things and he hates other things. You'll find in 1 Thessalonians that he has joy. Joy in the Holy Spirit. You'll find that he does things. We're going to mention this later on. But in Hebrews 9 verse 14, Jesus died through the eternal spirit. Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan in the power of the Holy Spirit. A dove came down on Jesus when he was baptized. What is this if not personality? Peter said to Ananias and Sapphira, Why has Satan filled your heart so that you lied to the Holy Spirit? How can you lie unless there's a person there? You can't lie to bricks. The Holy Spirit is a person. I didn't say a human. That's difficult when you translate into Tsonga. No, 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 no. But he is a person. How do you translate that? But he's a person. And here he is in the book of Titus. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And the grace of God says this, Titus 2 verse 12, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts so that we will live soberly, righteously, and godly. We are to deny. God's grace will make us Turn away from ungodliness and come near to godliness. And the Holy Spirit is God. 
So what you see of him tonight, I want you to imitate. That's how you become godly. What does it mean to be godly but to imitate God? As best you can, in the way you can. And so I say, imitate the humility of the Holy Spirit. The message tonight is this, in one sentence. By devoting himself to exalting the Son of God, the Spirit of God is humble. That's the whole message. Did you catch it? When and by and since the Holy Spirit devotes himself to exalting Jesus, by so doing, he shows that he is a model of humility. And I want you to be just like that. I want you to be godly like the Holy Spirit. Let's see it tonight. First of all, in verses 13 and 14, what does the Spirit do? He does three things. The first one is in verse 13. Can someone look at verse 13 and tell me, what does the Holy Spirit do? When He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. Wow, what does He do? He guides believers into truth. But notice this. How does he guide them into truth? He does not speak from himself. But where does he get the words? Where does the Holy Spirit get the words that he's going to teach? Tell me from verse 13. From the Father. He is so humble that he takes the words of the Father. He sits under the inspiration of the Father. He who is God, who created the world. Job says, the Spirit of God formed me. The Holy Spirit made Job. But he's not proud to say, let me teach you how I made man. Father, give me the words and I'll give your words to them. What's the next one? In verse 14. He glorifies whom? He glorifies Jesus. Let me just pause here and say, you could put a triangle beside this verse. All through my Bible, I have a little triangle. Whenever I have evidence of the deity of Christ, what would you call me? If I said, God's Spirit will lift me up and make me glorious, you would call me insane or a megalomaniac. That's a man who loves himself and his own glory. But Jesus says, the Spirit of God will lift me up. He's not even come yet. I'm sending him to you. And when he comes, he's going to lift me up. That is a statement that Jesus Christ is God. Do you see almost every statement that Jesus makes proves that he is God. He talks in a way that no man can talk. Well, the Spirit will direct all of our attention to the Son. Notice this in verse 14. What did he do in verse 14 after he glorifies the Son? 
He receives from me. And he will show you the things that he received from me. Number three, the Holy Spirit is a steward of God's words. He handles God's words so faithfully. He's not like false pastors who will say anything to get a crowd. They'll say anything to get you to come to their church. They'll say anything to trick you. They'll say anything to get your money. Oh no. This spirit, he will handle God's words faithfully. He delivered them to 40 different men to write the Bible. There are no errors. He delivered it perfectly. He handled those words, every one of them, with the utmost care, with respect and reverence and honor. And in these ways, these three ways that we've just seen, the Holy Spirit approves of the Father's authority. He submits to the glory of the Son. And he is faithful with his trust of the word of God. If you saw a man who did that, you would say he was humble. And I hope that you will be like that. I hope that you will be like this Holy Spirit. You will know the Holy Spirit's work. Because it will always draw your mind and your heart to Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Again, I need to deal with this because there are so many errors about the Holy Spirit today. You will find men that speak about being filled with the Spirit. You will find people who say, we are a Spirit-filled church. Really? Then when I come out of your church, I should have my heart and my smile and my mind set on Christ. I should have learned the Bible and I should love the Bible. I should go home after a Sunday morning and want to spend Sunday afternoon not in front of the TV, but in front of reading more of the Bible. That's the way you can tell a work of the Spirit of God. Don't be deceived. Men can imitate loud displays, shouting, common clauses and expressions. They can even imitate miracles. We just learned the catechism today in the village. Are miracles a sufficient evidence to show that God's Spirit is working? Answer, no. Because workers of Satan have done miracles in his power. Matthew 24, verse 24. And Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. And Exodus, I think it's chapter 4 or 5, when the sorcerers of Pharaoh do miracles in the power of Satan. Miracles aren't enough. Shouting isn't enough. Saying the words isn't enough. You show me a man that when you come out from his preaching, your whole soul is on fire for Christ. And there you found a spirit-filled ministry. When you find a man taken up with Christ, you have a spiritual man. Where men are hungry for the Bible, there is the Spirit of God. Where men weep over souls as Christ did, 
there is the Holy Spirit. When men weep over Christ's death, there is a work of the Spirit. Where men pray for the return of Christ, there is the Holy Spirit. Where men are willing to give their lives, their safety, their money, their time, their comfort, their bank accounts, their families, so that Jesus would be known and trusted and adored, you have just found a work of the Spirit of God. That's the power of the Spirit. Don't shout about the Spirit of God without Back it up. Show us the kingdom of God comes in power. And that power will be lives aflame for Christ, not aflame for money. That's what it means in Romans 14 when it says the kingdom of God is not in word and speech. It comes in power. Show me that power. It's when people gather together in love for Christ. When they go out and evangelize for Christ's sake. When they sacrifice, poor though they may be, they give over and over. So Christ will be known in Zimbabwe and then Mozambique. That's the way to to tell that the work of the Spirit of God is there. Let me ask this question because it's really central to the whole evening. What does it mean to glorify the Son? I mentioned to you three things that the Holy Spirit does. He assumes the authority of the Father, verse 13. He draws attention to the Son of God in verse 14. And he's a steward of the words of God. But that's, that one is central. He will glorify Christ. I want to ask you, how does he do this? How does he glorify the Son? What does it mean to glorify the Son? Jesus said before He died, just a few days before He said these words, just a few days before He said these words, Jesus said, and I, if I am lifted up, will draw all men to Me. He was going to draw all men to Him because He knew after I die, they will bury Me. And three days later, I will come back. And 40, day, and, and 40 days later, I will ascend up to heaven. And 10 days later, the Spirit of God will come. And people will be converted. Times of refreshing will be there. Aren't you hungry for that? That's the fulfillment of Jesus' words in John 12, verse 32. The last week before he died, probably the Sunday or the Monday before they put him on the cross. He said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. And 50 days later, it happened. Christ was preached. The Spirit of God, I'm sorry, the Spirit of God came down and Christ was preached. They evangelized in 16 different languages. Gather from every place. You could almost say gather from every race. Trophies of sovereign grace. That's what they were doing on the day of Pentecost. So I want to know what does it mean to glorify the Son? It means to draw attention to His beauty. That's what it means. What does it mean when it says the Holy Spirit will glorify Christ? It means the Holy Spirit will bring attention to the beauty of Jesus. Draw attention That's too weak. Let's say he creates interest. 
Some people like to mock this doctrine and they say, Oh, you believe that people will go to heaven who don't even like, who don't even like God. But they say, I have to be here because God saved me. No, no, no. That's the wrong picture. Here's the right picture. When a boy is nine and he sees a beautiful girl, he doesn't care. When a boy is 19 and he sees a beautiful girl, his head turns. That's what happens in the heart of the sinner. Jesus was beautiful a year ago, but you didn't see it. You were like that five-year-old boy. But when you see the beauty, suddenly you're like the 19-year-old boy. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that brings that change from 5 to 19. It's the Holy Spirit that puts that natural and good and righteous desire. It's the Holy Spirit that says to you, yes, Jesus is beautiful. And you say, wow, what was I missing for all my life? He creates this desire. John 3, verse 8. Go in your Bibles to John 3, 8. John 3, verse 8. I think this might be the strongest verse in the Bible on the doctrine of monergism. It's really irrefutable. John 3, verse 8. The wind blows where it will, and you hear it, the sound of it, But you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. What's the next word after the word goes? So. Just like. As. Kufanana. Tanihi. In the same way is everyone born of what? I'm sorry, born of whom? The Spirit. Can you control the wind? You can't tell it when to start. You can't tell it when to stop. You have no control over wind. God controls wind. And in the same way, God controls His Spirit and sends it right into the hearts of sinners. Monergism is this doctrine. One person does the work. Mono, one. Er, work. One person does the work. Monergism. One person does it. God says to the Spirit, blow in that heart. Vanessa, have you believed in the Lord Jesus? Have you found him to be more wonderful than life? If so, it's because the Spirit blew in your heart. Sheila, you told me today that you were coming to Christ. Is that true? Then it's because God's Spirit came right into your soul and started that fire. Alpheus, Olga, Alvina, Shoni, has God put in your heart that love for Him? It comes from the Spirit of God. It's a gift from Him. He creates it. Titus 3 verse 5 says, he calls it this, a renewing of the Holy Spirit. What is a renewing but a new lifing? It's when the Holy Spirit comes in and puts a new life inside of you. We call that in theological terms regeneration. 
The gospel is this. You're a dead sinner, but Christ comes down, and with his spirit, he puts life in you so that you see how beautiful Jesus is. Because when you were saved, make no mistake, you suddenly saw the sweetness and beauty and glory of Christ on a cross, and you saw the beauty of him humbling himself in the grave. You saw the beauty of him coming out of the grave. You saw the beauty of him teaching his disciples, the beauty of him slowly rising and ascending into heaven. You saw his wonder and his power as he prayed for every Christian from the right hand of the Father. You saw something of his glory on a white horse in your mind and hoping that it would happen tonight as he splits open the sky and comes back with all the armies of heaven and says, this is my kingdom. If you've seen that beauty, it's because the Holy Spirit came into your heart and exalted Christ. That's the gospel. Have you seen that? Have you loved that? Have you hoped in that? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's one more verse I want you to see. Go to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12, verse 3. Now this is a wonderful verse. Verse 3. Wherefore, I want you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, except by whom? You can't even say Jesus is the Lord unless the Holy Spirit puts it in your heart. You can say the words. We're not talking about merely the words. Anyone can say the words, Jesus is Lord. I want to know, has your heart bowed? Do you say the words with joy, with hope, with love, with faith, with confidence? Do you say them because they well up in your soul as, as the gospel itself? No one can do that without the Spirit of God. You can't. It's impossible. No one can say that without the Spirit of God. Or let me put it in the reverse. To glorify the Son means that you have been controlled by the Spirit. All those who glorify the Son are controlled by the Spirit. All those controlled by the Spirit glorify the Son. And all of the works of, Jesus, of the Spirit of God tend to glorify the Son. Let me now... In, in, in these last few moments, I have two things left that I'd like to do. One is give you a survey of the works of the Holy Spirit and then close with an application. There are four places in the Bible that you can learn the most about the Spirit of God. Now remember, there are 320 references or more than that to the Holy Spirit. So there are many verses in the Bible. But there are four chapters in the Bible that refer to the Spirit of God over and over and over. Can any, of, can any of you guess one of them? There's four of them. Can anyone guess one of them? Like how? Romans, chapter, um, eight. Romans chapter 8. Good job. 
that actually uses the word spirit, the Holy Spirit, more than any other chapter in the Bible or any other section of Scripture in the Bible. If you want to study the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8, 19 times more than any other chapter, Romans 8. Good job. Someone else, Amy? Where was our text for tonight? John 16. John chapter 16. The first one is John 16. But it doesn't even use Spirit of God or Holy Spirit. It only uses Spirit, I think, one time. It says Comforter, and then it says He, He, He. And by the way, in Greek, just like in song, you can say Yena or Yona. Yona is a, per- is a thing. Yena is a person. All through John 16, it's the Greek for person, 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 person. So all the people who say, well, the Holy Spirit's not a person, what do you do with the pronoun that says him, 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 him? Not it, 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 it. John 16, Romans 8, can you guess another one? 1 Corinthians 12, that first we're at right now. And the last one is Galatians 5. She's fighting the fruit of the Spirit and the works of the flesh. So if you ever, in the future, if you mark those down, if in the future you want to do a study of the Holy Spirit, then just work through each of those chapters. And you will have the bulk of the Bible's teaching on the Holy Spirit from those four. And by the way, only one of those four passages even mentions speaking in tongues. And it only mentions it one time. Let's go through those passages very quickly. Go to John 16. John 16. I want to see what works the Holy Spirit does in glorifying the Son of God. And I'm going to put it under that umbrella. Everything we see, I've got 11 of them listed here. I'm going to go through all 11 very quickly. And as we do, you notice how every one of these glorifies the Son of God. John 16, verse 8. When he is come, that he is the comforter, from verse 7. When he is come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. How does that glorify Christ? Well, look down in verse 9. Of sin, because they do not believe on who? That's Christ. The Holy Spirit cuts your heart about your sin so that you are able to believe in Christ. There's a wall between you and Jesus. And the Holy Spirit knows that. He's ripping down the bricks. So you can get to Christ. John 16 verse 13. What does he do here? In verse 13. He guides the believers into what? All the truth. Just a few hours earlier. In John 14 6. Jesus said. Say it with me if you know it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit guides believers into all truth. Jesus is the truth. Romans chapter 8. Go over to Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8 verse 11. I'm not looking at all the references to the Spirit, just all of the actions that He does. I cut through each of these passages to get the actions of the Spirit. Romans 8, verse 11. What does He do in verse 11? 
He gives life to the Son of God and to the believers. And that, that in verse 11 is in the future when you are raised from the dead. You're going to die and then God is going to put your body back together. What a miracle is that? Which is more amazing? Creating your body out of nothing or gathering up all the particles and pulling them back together? Which is a greater miracle? They're both fantastic. And the Holy Spirit's going to do it to the honor of Jesus Christ. Romans 8 verse 13. What does the Holy Spirit do? What does he do in 8.13? He helps you kill your sins. I taught you about monergism. You can put in your Bible right there. Synergism. Monergism means God does it by himself. Synergism means we work together with God. If you, through the Spirit, kill the sins of the flesh. You can't do it alone, and the Holy Spirit will not do it alone. That's synergism. Verse 14, what does he do in verse 14? What does he do? He leads believers in verse 14. What does he do in verse 16? Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Assurance of salvation, verse 16. Look down to verse 26. What does the Holy Spirit do in Romans 8, 26? He translates our prayers. I could have written prayer, but notice what he does. What does he do to our prayers? He turns them into prayers that should be prayed. We don't know what we should pray for. The Spirit prays for us with groanings which can't be translated. In verse 27, he knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He takes our prayers, he hears them, and then he prays the right way for us. And in verse 30, in verse 34, it's Christ who is praying for us. Can you imagine that? There are three members of the Godhead, and two of them are praying to the Father for you. Have you ever thanked God for that? You're so insignificant, but God loved you, and the Spirit loved you. Why would you ever turn to sin? Is there, show me, stand up world religions. Come, Mr. Buddha. Come, Buddha. Show me the love that God has. Oh, you're going to give us a great nothingness after we die? Come, Krishna, prince of the Hindu gods. What do you have? What kind of love do you have? Oh, we're going to live again and again. I might be reincarnated as a cockroach. That's the love you have for me? Come, Allah. What, what love do you have for us? Oh, nothing? It's up to me to save myself? But come, Christian God, what love do you have? Jehovah, he sends his spirit not only to save me, but then to pray for me. He sends his son not only to die for me, but then to pray for me. What love is that? 
Go to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. What does the Spirit of God do here? First Corinthians 12. In verse 3, what does he do? He causes men to see that Jesus is whom? Jesus is the Lord. In verse 3. What does he do in verses 8 and 9? First Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9, what does he do? Gives gifts. He gives the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, all these wonderful things. The working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, all these wonderful things that the Holy Spirit gives us. Look down in verse 13. What does the Holy Spirit do? He baptizes believers. How many? Look in verse 13. How many believers does he baptize in verse 13? All. Again, there is an entire denomination. It's called Pentecostal. Have you ever gone to a Pentecostal church? Pentecostalism began in the early 1900s in America. The entire denomination was built off of this one doctrine. Some Christians are baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the mark of Pentecostalism. Some, not all. What does 1 Corinthians 12, 13 say? How many people are baptized in the Holy Spirit? All believers. Every single believer. If you're not baptized... You're not a believer. He baptizes believers. And that baptism there is the uniting with Christ. The union with Christ. The binding together. It's the marriage ceremony. It's the bringing together. The connection of Christ and his church. Go to Galatians 5. What does the Holy Spirit do in Galatians 5 verse 17? Galatians 5, verse 17. What does the Holy Spirit do? The flesh fights with the Spirit, capital S, and the Spirit fights the flesh. He fights your sin. I thought I just learned in Romans 8, verse 13, that I have to put to death the sins by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's right. Galatians is saying the same thing. If you walk in the Spirit, you and the Spirit together will kill your sins. These are the things that the Holy Spirit does. Will anyone say that these are not honoring to Christ? They draw us near to Christ. They turn us from our sin. They build up the church. They unite us to Christ. They give gifts to honor our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians that when Christ rose from the dead, he gave gifts to men. It's Christ who gave gifts through his spirit. All of these are actions that honor the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So now here's the application. Here's the hook. I've been fishing all night. Now I want to try to draw the hook. Here it is. What would your life look like if you didn't care about anything except exalting Jesus? Like the Holy Spirit. What would your week look like this week? This week for seven days. From this week until next week. And if Lloyd asked us next week, instead of how many of you read your Bible for seven days, how many of you prayed for seven days, help me to imitate the Holy Spirit. What would your life look like for seven days if all you thought about, how can I imitate the Holy Spirit by lifting up Christ? And I close with this illustration. The first missionaries came to Africa hundreds of years ago. But they were a few. It was the Bible translator Robert Moffat who translated the Bible into Tswana, the first African language to have a Bible in 1837. But he arrived here about 20-some years earlier, early 1800s. When he arrived here, he was sent by the Scottish Presbyterian Church. He lived in South Africa off the northwest or the western Cape. Within the next hundred years, hundreds of missionaries came to this continent. You don't know the names of even five of them. I have books and I've read the books and I can't even remember five names. They were like the Holy Spirit. His name's only in the Bible how many times? 300, right? But his work is everywhere. Drawing men to see Christ. You don't know the names of 78 Methodist missionaries back in the day when the Methodists still preached the five solas. 78 Methodist missionaries came over a 10-year time period. 78 men and wives. And in the first year, 365 days of arriving in Africa, 40 or 45% of them died. That's about 35 that died within the first year. We're talking men who had greater gifts than I have. They're hidden. They never learned the language. Some of them lived five years and died, ten years and died. Some of them lived their whole life and died never being remembered. Some of them came over here single and married Africans and died somewhere in the rural areas we never knew them. If I'm not known, it's okay. As long as Christ is known. I want you to be like the Holy Spirit this week. Or like all of his people who have followed him over the thousands of years 
since he came 2,000 years ago. Let's close in prayer. Holy Spirit, come now and help us. Bless us that this week we might imitate you in your humility. We would care nothing for our reputation. We would not advance our own cause. You are divine and your glories are innumerable. Your beauty is infinite. It has no beginning or ending. Your love and mercy and power, the infinitude of your glories is greater than the stars of heaven and yet you you are pleased to let them all dwell in obscurity that Christ might be exalted. Oh, that we might be like you are. Make us this week to be filled with the Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.